So welcome. This is my second podcast. Many years ago, as a competitive runner, it's hard to imagine it if you knew me now, but I was a long distance runner. But I injured a ligament at the back of my knee when I was about 20. When I went to the sports physio, she told me that we would need to concentrate on that part of my body. So cease all other sporting activity and let's work on the damaged part. Now I could see the sense in this. That knee needed to be protected from the rigours of training and other physical activity. And given for at least for a while a more special place. Until it could once again be part of the bigger picture. Back with its own unique and equally valued place in the training regime. Only then, when it was fully part and fully engaged with everything else, would it be able to function properly and fully. Now just hang on to that image for a wee bit or two. A couple of things became very apparent to me uh, during last summer, which was the, remember those couple of months of a wee bit of release from the COVID restrictions, but there were some other things happening in the background. Now I can imagine that these things may have been apparent to you for many years, but they came through to me in a, a particularly with particular clarity last summer. Black lives matter. Racism, racism isn't new, and of course I don't mean that I had never noticed it before, but the new dawning for me was not that racism exists, but that our response to it needs to be better. My response to it needs to be better. I saw one comment that was floating around in social media that just doesn't satisfy. And it was all lives matter. Now, of course, that's true. But that it had never occurred to me before that if I simply try to treat all lives as if they matter equally, I'm living as if the ideal is actually the present reality when clearly it isn't. Obviously we want equality to be the norm in our society and right around our world. But until it is, we have to apply physio to the damaged parts of the body and give them more care and attention until that longed for equality is the reality. Do you see what I'm getting at there? It's a bit like that physio with the injury to the knee. If you don't focus on the injured, broken part specially, you're never going to get it back to the place where the whole thing can function in the way that it ought to. So it's not a matter of all lives just matter the same. At the minute, black lives have to matter more. Now we need to work out how that happens. I hope this thinking is okay. I'm no expert. It's just it's just been rambling around and round and round my head now for a few months. But I do think it does find a precedent or certainly plenty of examples of it in the life of Jesus. Do you remember when the people brought their children to him and the disciples tried to shoo them away because they were disturbing what they had hoped was going to be another great meeting? Now, unlike our rose-tinted version of first century family life, children weren't actually honoured or treated with the care with which they require. In fact, the eradication of children, the slaughter of them, especially the boys, was often used as a weapon of mass destruction. 
Do you remember in Egypt in the days of Moses as a baby? Do you remember the days in Bethlehem when the nativity story was unfolding? Those are just two examples. And just in case, just in case you think that there was some compassion going on somewhere in there and a kindly attitude towards the baby girls, we need even to think that out again. Back in those days, obstetric knowledge was fairly basic. The general understanding of pregnancy was that the father contributed the whole of the new child and the mother contributed the womb. The womb was simply the environment in which the child of the father was incubated. So, taking the Egyptian slaughter of the baby boys, that was simply a way to ensure the dying out of the Hebrew race. But saving the girls was not a compassionate act. It was simply an investment in future wombs for the increased birth rate of Egyptian babies. But back to Jesus. So I drifted off a little bit there. Counter to the norms of the day, he took the children in his arms and blessed them. Now taking them in his arms is time consuming and personal. It must have infuriated the disciples. This was even worse than even having the children there at the meeting. Now they were the centre of attention. I can imagine Jesus pausing with each child and each parent. What's this little one called? How old is she or he? Doesn't she have beautiful eyes? Oh, he is your chin. And what do you dream of for this little child? What is your prayer? Okay, let's pray. Can you imagine having Jesus as your prayer ministry team? When he says, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Wow, that would be a prayer coming from the creator and saviour of the world. All lives do matter. But at that moment, the children mattered. But this is Jesus' constant attitude. A Roman centurion approaches because his servant needs to be healed. Now, the invading armies in any nation definitely do not matter. Their agents, their soldiers, the agents of oppression and violence, they're not supposed to matter. But Jesus stops and listens to this centurion and even comments that he has not seen faith like this anywhere else in Israel. He was certainly making his point about who mattered at that moment. Lepers were hugged. No one hugs a leper. Women were invited into the group of disciples. No one does that. It's also very inappropriate to have men and women travelling as one group. All that shared camping and walking and chatting and getting to know each other, who knows what they could get up to. Sinners, people caught in adultery, tax collectors, wine drinkers, parties, invitations accepted to houses of ill repute, what on earth is Jesus thinking of? I think he's sending a message down through the centuries of what it means to decide that a minority or someone who is left out can actually matter. And a bit like that injured ligament maybe needs a little bit more attention and a little bit more care and a little bit more compassion. 
until things can be better. Now in the middle of this life, which caused a lot of controversy around Jesus, he re-emphasizes the law. And when I say he re-emphasizes, I was going to say he redefines it, but he doesn't. He takes the law as it was and he re-emphasizes it. He captures the essence of it and claims that his new emphasis on the Old Testament law has not removed one stroke from it, but if anything, has made it even more difficult. And he summed it up as loving God and loving your neighbour. Now this isn't a sort of liberal whitewash of the life that is following Jesus and replacing it with some sort of mushy emotional niceness or something. Loving God and loving your neighbour is a call to a rigorous lifestyle of care about our words and our thoughts and our attitudes, of how we spend our money, how we care for our environment, how we develop our relationships, how we represent Christ in our world, how we speak of him, how we take our place in his name, in our work environment, in our leisure environment, in our families. It is demanding, far more demanding than the Old Testament law was, and far more demanding than any fundamentalist view of the Bible. For example, Loving one's neighbour stops you dead in your tracks when that critical thought flashes across your mind as you categorise someone with the word on the tip of your tongue, typical, and then you say something after it. And we all do that. This is a hard journey we're on. Living out what God has shown us in the Bible is quite a challenge. A la Santerre. saunter. If we're going to saunter in any direction, maybe the way of Jesus is worth considering, but it's a difficult and precarious path. Jesus describes it as narrow. Few find it and can travel on it. And part of a narrow path is always the possibility of falling off it. But on we must go. Because having started, there is no sensible choice that involves turning back or stepping off it. So I told you last summer, two things became apparent to me. Black lives matter, but there was something else as well. Someone very dear to me is gay and told us a number of years ago that, that he was gay. But... We have gone on from there and we have continued and we have grown in our understanding 
and in our love and our compassion and in everything else. But this summer, he told us that coming out to us was only the beginning of a life of coming out regularly. And every time requires preparation and courage and boldness because every time is a risk. It's a constant awareness in this young man's mind. Every time he's asked, what did you get up to at the weekend? Every time he's invited uh, to go on a trip or to come to a party or to go to the cinema or anything else. Can I take the risk of bringing my partner along? Can I even mention him? Every suggestion for shared activities. Is it okay to bring my partner? Social media profiles. My work environment. On it goes. And this young man told us the challenges constantly. The risks that he has to take. Having to decide, can I be honest? Worrying about how people will react. Wondering, will it be safe? And on it goes. I had not fully appreciated how immediate this is and how right on the surface of the mind this is all the time for all who have same-sex attraction. Living in this world that is not always accepting in fact, not always accepting is probably at times the best, whereas downright ignorance is quite common and is one of the worst. So, somewhere between last summer and tonight, this morning, I've been shifting from just simply being supportive to wanting to be an advocate. And I appreciate that this may not sit well with everyone in my line of business, but I'm not trying to persuade anyone else. But I want to do three things. The first is this. I want to be part of creating a church that is filled with the grace and truth that Jesus was filled with. The grace and truth that Jesus embodied. And that will be a place where all feel safe and can be who they are and can participate fully in the life that Jesus promises us. Secondly, so many people ask me what I think about people with same-sex attraction that I want to share my genuine searchings as a conservative evangelical minister of the gospel and how that has put me on this journey, this saunter a la saunter. And la saunter is again the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I want to explore the Bible to see what it actually reveals to us about sexuality and covenant relationships. And there's no prepared script for this. This will be a genuine search week by week. So not quite sure where this takes me next week, but this is the purpose of the podcast. Last week's metaphor, I have crossed a road too wide and I find it's okay to be over on that other side. Now, I did that many years ago, and I've been doing that repeatedly in all sorts of contexts, but this is a new one. Well, it's been a few years, um, but I'm finding myself feeling safe and secure where I think I'm landing. I'm not expecting everyone to come rushing across the road, 
But maybe in what I'm sharing with you over the next weeks, I can allay some fears and maybe show how Jesus is found on this side of the road as well as on the other side. So if you want to keep listening to these, I'm going to try to describe what it's like on both sides of this road. But here's the good news. One day there won't be a road. In Colossians 1, St Paul told us that one day there won't be a road dividing us. And he said this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. To reconcile to himself all things. One of my heroes over the years in the world of church and theology and praxis is John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement. And I remember him repeatedly saying that the Greek for all in that phrase, all things, means all. So let's gently set off in pursuit of the Christ who seems to me to be prepared to cross the road. Oh, taste and see how gracious the Lord is. Blessed is the one that trusteth in thee.